0: Today's word is found in Joel chapter two. And let's turn to the book of Joel chapter two together. And in this chapter, I'm going to read verse 25 right now, but I'll go back and read more verses later. So Joel, it's in the middle of the Bible, but actually a little bit further toward the New Testament. So if you get Psalms, turn right and keep going for about a half an inch, and you'll get there to uh, Joel, Uh, so Hosea, Joel, they're together, and you'll find it. But uh, the prophet Joel, and he preached this word, and I'm going to read verse number 25. Now I'm reading from the uh, New King James Bible, I think the Old King James calls these a little bit different, so... I memorized it partially as a King James, so I'm going to read it sort of half and half here, I guess, but I'm going to read it. here. New King James says, Joel 2, 25, So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. And may the Lord bless his word as we have it read into our hearts. And the subject today is the years the locust has eaten. Well, you know, in the Bible, we have been given many great messages all through the Bible. It's a wonderful book, amazing book. There's no question about it. And this phrase just seems to be so important. It's It's a phrase that I think God wants us to to reflect on and to remember because this is a phrase that the prophet Joel gave by God's grace to his own people who were, at the time, God's chosen people, and yet they had failed God and had failed God and failed God. And as a result of that, God gave them years where the locust ate everything. And I can, I can imagine how hard it would be in life to be a farmer, work hard and hard and to get a, 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 a crop, and to have everything ready, and then all of a sudden the locusts come in and take all the crop. But not only that, but notice about the years that the locust has eaten here refers not just to one year, you know, maybe everybody can prepare for one year here or one year there and have some sort of uh, protection. But this was not one year, this were multiple years where the locusts came and ate the fruit of their labor. And so I think that God wants us to feel the real pain associated with the locusts eating the fruit of our labor. I think that we need to understand how great a loss this was, not just for Israel, but how great a loss I believe is for us in our own day. Because when you think about years, we have very few of them in this world. I started, I visited a lot of relatives this week. I went to my Aunt Pat's house. When I was a kid, I used to stay at my Uncle Ronnie and Aunt Pat's house. Ronnie passed away about 12 years ago, but I used to love to listen to him tell war stories about Vietnam. Vietnam, I don't know what the right pronunciation is, but I would listen to him and and I I was always amazed by what was going on. He was a platoon sergeant, did two tours of duty over there in Vietnam. And I noticed that that little house is still there in the same place, hasn't changed when I was a kid, it's a little bigger than it is now, (laughs) just because of my mind, because, and she had done it up so nice and uh, it was a great memory. And I think about all those years ago, and I said, I remember walking on this street when I was a kid in and, and, and the summers, and, and, and going down the road and there in Loudoun, Tennessee. You can remember your childhood, can you not? And I thought about summer and what summers were like. And I started thinking that, you know what? We don't get many summers in our lives. How many summers do you get in your life? If you get it to be 100, you get 100 of them. You don't even experience all of them that you know because when you're a baby, you don't really remember. So we have precious few seasons, precious few years for more or less, ultimately, we are going to die and go on to heaven or if we're heading that way. And this world, the time we live is precious. And those precious years and all the work that we do and the things we do to pay the bills and to try to live in a way So I think that when we look at the years the locusts have eaten, we need to understand that this is not a small loss. This is a great loss. This is a loss that requires us to reflect and understand that this was a disaster for them and it's a disaster for us. So I started thinking about this because it does represent the loss of years of labor and investment. The loss of years of labors uh, and investment. So I want us to look today and let's find out how the years the locusts have eaten affects us personally, how it affects us nationally, and how it affects us spiritually. So let's start personally. You know, we as people, we waste a lot of time. If you were to catalog how many hours of the day you waste, and we waste that get eaten up by the locust of distractions, pleasures, entertainments, insignificant things, random things, laziness, whatever it may be, whatever idle thing that comes through our minds and takes up and occupies a time that was time that did not produce the fruit, even though the time was spent. It's kind of amazing. When I was about a teenager, preachers would, would read a lot of statistics. I don't know what it was in the 1980s, but I mean, preachers back in the 1980s, they just had, must have had a book or something because they kept reading statistics about how many minutes a day people would pray or they had statistics about every possible subject. I couldn't believe all the statistics. God, this was pre-internet. And I was thinking, where do you get this information? And it was never hardly any good news. But I think they used to say the average person spends two minutes, one minute, three, I don't know what it was, a day praying. But they spend X number of hours watching TV, which at the time was the screens that were available. Now the screens are all over the place. They're phones or whatever. Lots of time, lots of time. And because that time has been in many ways not spent wisely, The fruit of that labor ends up being eaten away and it's gone. You can never go back, by the way. You can't redeem time. You can't go back and say, oh, I'm going to go recapture that day. I'm going to get in my time machine and go back. No, I, I visited relatives, went back to places of my childhood, and guess what? It was not the same. I guarantee you it was not the same. And the reason it's not the same is because we change and the world changes and we now have those years behind us. You see, personally, I think that in our lives, we can go back and, and, and do a, an inventory and we could say, boy, how my life would have been different if I'd made different decisions, can we not? What would have happened if the locust hadn't eaten those years and taken up our time with bad habits and things that we could have avoided, but no, we invited the locust in and they ate the time. We could have been in a better place in so many ways, personally, if we had not wasted those years, and those years came and they've gone. Before you know it, you're older. You're over the hump. (laughs) You're on the downhill slope. You got fewer days ahead than you have behind. And it's like you know, This life is almost over for you on this side of heaven. So we look at the past and that's why people get depressed. That's why people get sad. That's why they say, oh, we need the good old days. We wish it was like it used to be. The years have come and the locusts have eaten them and they're gone and it's a bad, bad situation. I can dwell on the subject of our personal waste and the disaster personally, how much we missed God, how much we left, let God uh, and set him aside so we could pursue whatever. But I want us to move on because it's not just our personal lives, but we can say it as a nation. You know, in our country we are very fortunate and blessed to be born in a nation that uh, many sacrifices were made to create it. And they literally in the founding documents actually appealed to God for help and for the truth of their cause. They actually asked God for help and they declared it. And many of these founding fathers lost their wealth. They lost their possessions. They were not people who had nothing to lose. They had everything to lose. And I'm gonna tell you right now that the reason why some people can go out and act like the fool and riot and do everything is because they got nothing to lose. They don't own anything, they don't have any investments in anything, they have no property, they have nothing in this world to lose and they've been so pumped full of hate that they're willing to tear down and burn down the world so that everybody will feel like they, are, they feel. It's no big deal to tear down statues to them. They are the locusts that have been sent to rob us and tear away and we're living a year where the locust is eating our country. But years ago, we decided through some Supreme Court decision that a little child in the womb is not a child, but a lump of tissue that doesn't mean anything. And we can kill that child with impunity and we haven't reversed it in five decades. Believe me, folks, I have been voting for people who are trying to change this and I have failed every year because it doesn't work. Whatever we vote for seems to never work. We don't have a political problem. We have a spiritual problem in this country. And until we get people who are righteous people in positions of influence, nothing's going to change. And it's not about voting only. It's especially about the whole way of life. We need a change. And that change has got to come from God because I'm telling you what, the, the years where the locusts have eaten our education system, the locusts have torn down our courts and our laws and have torn down people and killed people. Everybody needs to hear this message. We do not need to be happy about the years that the locusts have eaten. We need to be sad and repentant and broken hearted. During the Fourth of July celebration this week, a young woman and her fiance were in a in walking in the streets, talking to people who were protesting. People were yelling "Black Lives Matter," and and this young woman, Jessica Dottie Whitaker, was also saying "All Lives Matter," and they got into an argument. They separated from each other after the argument. But as they went their way, some of those who were arguing Black Lives Matter were on top of a bridge and they took guns and shot that woman in the head and killed her dead. Leaves behind a little child and a fiance because they didn't agree with her that all lives matter. Nobody's rioting in the streets right now for that life. Because I'm going to tell you, all lives do matter, but not really. And not even all black lives matter to people. Truth is, the locusts are eating our culture. Robbing us of years, decades of investment. Robbed by thieves and horrible, horrible people. Yeah, we, we have a, a years where the nation, the locusts are eating our country too. We're not a perfect nation, we never were. <laughs> there were no perfect people in the Bible. The, the nation of Israel were just scoundrels half the time or more. They were awful. Don't ever think that when we preach the Bible that we're preaching about a bunch of good people. They were not. They were crooked and perverse and their sins do not in any way are no better than the sins of our own day. But when you disobey God, He sends the locust, and he does that for all people, by the way, in the book of Exodus. And when you read about that, his message was not just for Israel. His message was for all people, that all nations who do certain things, they get punished. And that's the truth. There's nobody exempt. Just because you think you're of the nation of Israel didn't mean that you were exempt from God's judgment. That was far from the case. So we have lost personally, Because of our mistakes or whatever, our disobedience, we've literally lost years of our lives. We've lost as a nation, and we're in the midst of one of those years. But then let's talk spiritually. Because churches today in our country, I I find that we are just tempted to be on the defense and not on the offense. I really do. I think that churches today are, are really shocked to, to see the world. Because if you are 40 or 50 years old, when you were a kid, people respected churches and they respected the institutions of churches and all these things. And it was a generally uh, a, a thing that the world supported. And, and go back 150 years ago, churches were really respected. And when our country was founded, there were so many Christians that a politician who ever did anything that would go contrary to the word of God, they wouldn't, they wouldn't last very long unless they hid it. And today, politicians are, are trying to beat down the, the, the door to embrace every perversion imaginable and to totally ignore Christian beliefs. And when we get a decision that halfway supports the rights of some Christian group, we think, oh, we got a victory, when there should never have been a case to begin with. What I'm saying to you is that the church, we have gotten so comfortable that we have failed to understand that the church is not the buildings, the church is not the institutions, it's not the organizations, it's not the denominations. The church is a spiritual body of believers that needs to be vibrant and be on the offensive following Jesus. So, the church is about 100 years ago, no, 80 years ago, 70 years ago, liberalism and modernism really started growing in the 1920s and 30s. And it just devoured like a cancer whole denominations. And people stopped believing the Bible. It says, I don't believe this happened. I don't believe this happened. And they started educating preachers to preach this garbage that we don't have to have miracles. And then pretty soon they denied what the Bible said about the family because they started letting ideas and not the word of God rule their judgments. That's bad. Don't ever let good ideas be your God. You hear what I'm saying? Don't let good ideas be your God. Because liberalism takes a good idea, equality, and ruins every institution that they try to promote it. Literally, you take that idea of equality and you will ruin and destroy culture. You will destroy everything. Because you fail to understand that equality is a value judgment that God makes But equality is not sameness of gender, it's not sameness of social conditioning or education or anything. You can't just declare everything equal, that's ridiculous. Doesn't work that way. But that's just one thing. When we go to the word of God, we need to understand that the church cannot be allied with the world. Jesus was not preaching a social gospel where in order for us to complete the Bible, we have to have some big political movement. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. Paul lived in a world where they had slavery. Did you know that? But did he attack the institution of slavery? Not directly. He actually didn't. Nobody in the Bible days thought slavery was a good thing. They thought it was kind of bad to be a slave. In fact, so do we. And slavery is a bad thing. But the message of Jesus was not to worry about human social arrangements, but rather to concern themselves with people because at the foot of the cross, we truly are equal, whether we are a slave or not. In other words, what I'm saying to you folks is that those who are crying out for social justice today, they are not preaching the Bible. What they are preaching is hatred because they're saying our external circumstances define our lives. And God said, your external circumstances are irrelevant to me. And God said through the mouth of the prodigal son that the servants in my father's house are doing better than I am. You hear what I'm saying? And he was willing to go back and be a slave in his father's house rather than live in that world that he had created for himself. It's not the institution of society that's corrupting us. It is the people in their hearts and their attitudes that's corrupting. Because your value is not based upon how much you own or don't own. Whether you have a position of power or not, whether you are a man or a woman, it means nothing. God is the one who elevates us, nobody else. And when you politically tell people you gotta, you got to be in this group and you got to be in that group, and when you get people managing and micromanaging everybody, telling them how to live, how to buy, how you don't have freedom, I'll tell you who the slave is. You are the slave. You are the slave when that happens. And the church has bought into this and now they're promoting all kinds of horrible things in the name of social justice. And their numbers are, di- are de- declining. Churches are declining. They don't have that social support anymore. It's not fashionable to go to church all the time anymore. It's not, in fact, now we have reasons not to go to church. We don't want to get gathered together. We don't want to do this. Evidently, Jesus's power has somehow been diminished somehow, that he, he was a healer at one time, but evidently now he doesn't really heal people. Huh. I still believe in Jesus, and he told us to pray for people, by the way, so we should. So we are losing our numbers in our churches, losing money in our churches. The worst thing is they lose their mission. They've lost the mission. The churches, they, the, the locusts have eaten up the mission. They, I mean, churches have built social clubs that are so amazing and you can literally do everything you want in these churches, but are they doing what Jesus said, which is go in the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the mission of the church, it hasn't changed. We need people to follow Jesus. Whatever, name of your church, whatever, wherever you are, making disciples, seeing them get baptized, and letting them obey and do what Jesus said. That's it, keep doing that. That needs to be our focus. Now, we could talk about these years and keep on going and it gets depressing. But I want to go back to the the part that's positive in this chapter. In verse number 21, Joel says, "'Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, "'for the Lord has done marvelous things. "'Do not be afraid, you beast of the field, "'for the open pastures are springing up, "'and the tree bears its fruit.'" the fig tree and the vine yield their strength. Be glad then you children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God for he has given you the former rain faithfully and he will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. But it is the first part of the verse that I read earlier so I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. Think about that for a moment. I've emphasized a lot about the years the locusts have eaten and we should be sad about that, but, but it's that message of hope that God can miraculously restore profit back to you. He can restore good things to us in a short period of time. If you read the whole chapter, he says you got to repent, got to be humble, got to be serious with God. Get right with God and he can restore those things. We God did not give us this message to get, get us down and say we're hopeless, we have no chance. Really? For the people of Israel, they had a chance in their lifetime to change. He can restore He wants to restore the loss. And I believe that God can help us personally. I think he can help us as a nation and I think he can help us as churches. Because frankly, when I talk to people throughout the country about the situation. I got people from a lot of different denominations who I believe believe in God and are true believers in Jesus. Now I probably won't agree with them on a lot of fine points of theology, but I can tell you what, they do believe in Jesus and they do believe in in God and and I believe they have real faith that's gonna save them. And, And really, Christians, we can't afford to do what happened in years past and start splintering all over the place and dividing over small little things compared to the fact that we have a life and death issue going on in this country. People are dying in our streets. We have people toppling these statues and they don't even know what these statues represented and they're not saying all these people were great or good. Who knows? But I know one thing, God sent these locusts because of our disobedient hearts. And God wants us to get our hearts right so he can help us and take care of us. Because notice what he says here after he mentions the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. He says, my great army, which I sent among you. Ooh, God sends the locust. (laughs) Sometimes I blame the devil for everything. Did you know God's sending some of these locusts because of our disobedience? I think that God uses the locust to get our minds right. So in verse number 26, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Guess what? God is building a monument for every Christian, I believe, like a pillar that will stand in heaven and no one's gonna knock you down. they're not gonna be any locusts wiping away heaven. No, 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 no. God says my people shall never be put to shame, never. I love that. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. God wants us to remember his work. Verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. You know, God's already sent his Holy Spirit. He sent his Holy Spirit on everybody. He didn't discriminate, didn't say, I'll give it to the rich or the free man or the slave. He gave it to everybody who is willing to call upon the name of the Lord. And God literally would make profits out of anybody. And he could do that today. He does his same spirits with us, but we don't need to fret. So I think we need to see the disaster. We have a disaster, we have years of disaster, personally, nationally, spiritually but God can restore it. The question is, are we willing to do what it takes, which is to repent, put our faith in him and trust him because whatever happens in the world, if we are right with God, it, it doesn't matter because God is not gonna put us to shame. And that's a good comfort. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he faced a bunch of rotten scoundrels and they, 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 they murdered him in cruel, cruel and vicious fashion. They betrayed him and they put him to an awful death. But you, Lord, were in control the whole time. Not one hair on his head was harmed without his permission. And Lord, not one thing is gonna happen to us without your permission. And we ask for your grace to, to help us. Thank you, Lord, and this is hard for me to do, but thank you for the chaos. Thank you for the, the locust and, and the sense of loss that we're facing. Thank you, Lord. Because we can only experience restoration when we understand loss. And I thank you, Lord. I do grieve for my country. I grieve for my own life. I grieve for our churches. But Lord, you tell us in your word, and I believe it, that you can restore Not just a little, but you can restore years of productivity and goodness. And I ask for you to do that. Help us, Lord, have mercy on us. And thank you, Jesus, for dying for us and raising from the dead for our sake. And may your word show itself true in our lives because Lord, without you, we really can do nothing. And we pray this prayer today In the precious and holy name of Jesus, our Savior, and amen.